When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher. This is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I'm excited to share with you a conversation I had with Ryan Hanley. He's the CEO of Metabolic. However, we are not talking necessarily about health in this episode. Instead, we're going to talk about why we make excuses, how to get past making those excuses, how to disarm those excuses, and about how seeking meaning in what you do is a better way to go about finding happiness instead of chasing success, and how to avoid expecting instant results when you first try new things. Ryan's had experience in all of those things because he used to be a keynote speaker, moved into marketing for insurance, and now is in the startup world being the CEO for Metabolic. So this is going to be a really fun and interesting conversation, and I hope you go check out his show, The Ryan Hanley Show, after you listen to this conversation with Ryan Hanley. Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome to the show, Ryan Hanley. Ryan, welcome to the show. Oh, it's so much fun to be here, man. Thanks for having me. So you've got a new show coming out. It's The Ryan Hanley Show. And for people out there like me who knew of you kind of in the marketing space only, and we even said this pre-recording, like we hadn't really interacted yet, but we've been kind of in the same ecosystem of online business, marketing, et cetera, for years now. For people who think that's what the show is going to be about, can you correct them? Because I think this is going to be a really awesome show. My passion is helping people reach everyday peak performance. And that means something different for everybody. Um, it's, it's, it's really about how do you find that little bit of meaning in something that you do, get better at it, and then everything that comes out of that. It's probably a little personal developy, a little self-helpy if you, if you want to go super cliche categories. But the idea is if I can help introduce someone to one new person who is doing something some way that improves their, their everyday life, that's, that's the victory for me. So it's really just finding interesting, exciting people who have enthusiasm and passion for whatever it is they're doing, probably geared towards business-ish topics, then that's, that's who I'm looking. So my very first guest um, is going to be uh, Marcus Sheridan, um, who has been one of my closest friends and mentors for probably a decade now. Um, and then I'm going to close out our launch week. So we'll have five episodes to start uh, is going to be my new business partner and the founder of the company that I am now uh, the CEO of uh, Metabolic and just juxtaposition those two those two ideas in you know, my life today and my life as it was 10 years ago when we first kind of started bumping into each other in mm-hmm. the marketing world. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing Marcus because he's awesome. So that's really cool. He's the best. Yeah. And and you're kind of doing it now. You're, you're saying you're going to have a bunch of episodes out launch week, but then it's going to be what a weekly show moving forward, right? Yeah, probably one to two episodes a week. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm also running a, 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 a fitness company, so, so I have to kind of <laughs> do some of that work too. Yes. But uh, as, much, as many as I can get out and then I'll probably do, uh, you know, I don't know if, if you do these or not, but. Um, I've done this on previous. So this is actually my third podcast that I've launched in my life. Uh, I've broken every one of um, Naval uh, Ravikant's rules of sticking to one thing. And uh, so I've changed. I've stopped and restarted multiple times. Um, but one thing I love to do, too, and, and I, I'm super interested in your take on this, is like the solo podcast. Um, James Altucher does it every once in a while. Yeah, like uh, a monologue in, in some senses, right? Yeah, where you almost it's almost like taking what you would have turned into an article or an essay for your website or, or wherever you write uh, and turning it into an episode, uh, adding a little more context, being able to go deeper on some topics. Um, I think there are certain things because I love to write like in a perfect world. I just write and get paid enough to make a living. Um, in my world today, I, I have to I have to do other work as well. So the the writing is still a bit of a a bit of a hobby. But um, 
I feel like with the podcast format, the fact that you can add tone, cadence, um, inflection into the words, uh, it, it adds so much more to uh, something that you that you want to talk about. Um, I think writing is a tremendous medium, and it still has just as much value as it always has. Uh, but if well done, writing may even have more value today because there's so many people doing it poorly. But we could talk about that. Sure. Um, so, so I, I kind of like injecting those monologue esque episodes as well. So you probably have a few of those. Yeah. Well, and, and you're already kind of doing some of that with your, your vlogs that are like what, six to seven minutes long. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I am, um, an unabashed, um, fan, probably closer to disciple of, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. I just am. I know a lot of people are, that's not, doesn't make me unique in any capacity, but it's part of, um, he's a major influence in my methodology. And I agree with him. Something he's been talking about lately quite a bit that I completely agree with, uh, and, and haven't always, um, is this idea of quantity over quality. And I think that you talk to a lot of the purists, there's a lot of gurus and rock star ninjas that would tell you, no, it's all about quality, quality, quality. And, and I was one of them for a very long time. I think today what I've realized is uh, obviously with a, with a certain bar of quality um, in order to really wrap your head around any topic, to really flesh out um, true value from, from any idea, you have to talk about it and create a, create things around it and then take in the feedback you get. So if I'm thinking about something or an idea, uh, I'm, I'm going to, create a ton of content and some of them are going to be short little Instagram stories. They're going to be posts on Instagram or LinkedIn, or I may do uh, a video for YouTube about it and it'll be the same general topic. It'll be a bunch of different places. And the reason for that is uh, I get different feedback from every one of those places. And that allows me to, you know, put that in my mental algorithm or whatever to, to help me better understand how I actually feel on that topic and what, where the value actually comes from. So uh, I've been creating in a lot of different places. Yeah. It's almost like micro content that is dialogue starting, you know, you've yes. got a thought, the audience reacts, then it takes you to another couple places that you can go with it. And, you know, then eventually you either write it up really well for a blog post or polish it or both for the, the, the podcast as a solo episode. Yeah. I a hundred percent. Yeah. That, that was a much more succinct way of saying that big long thing that I said. <laughs> uh, I, well, see some people would be like, well, okay. So you went from insurance marketing to an insurance type stuff over to fitness and they would say, and, and what was the name? You said the rules of starting and stopping things. Oh, uh, Naval yes. uh, at Naval on Twitter, Naval Ravikant. Yeah. He's, he has this whole thing around, you know, people who jump, to different places too often, you lose value because it's tough. You have to rebuild all your trust when you move. And <laughs> I've lived that three times now. See, but the thing is, is that I know that you talk often about instead of chasing success, go after meaning because that's where the real happiness is. And so I can see that maybe you've shifted thing to thing to thing because you found new and deeper meaning in each of these shifts. I don't think you could be more right about that as, as I've, uh, so, so one thing I, I think that I have to, uh, I'm very self-aware about is it took me a really long time to mature into being, um, an adult. Um, I, as we know, all, I yeah, right. Like it wasn't until, it wasn't until almost like I'm 38 now, maybe my early thirties that I really started to wrap my head around what it meant to be a professional. And I don't mean this the kind of stuffy cliche idea of a professional, but a professional and as someone who shows up and does the work and, and is trying to be just a little bit better every day and add value to other people's lives. Like I didn't always do that. Like, you know, I, I mostly just meandered through my twenties. Um, and I don't want to say wasted because I didn't meet my wife, but outside of that, I don't know what else I did in my twenties. That was of any value. Um, so I, I think you're a hundred percent right. I think what I've dialed in on about myself is, 
um, I personally love to create, share stories, and in and in and in that work, what I what I'm actually trying to get at, and where I've found meaning in my own life, is in helping someone see something some way that allows them a little more a, a deeper a deeper concept of 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 who they are, or finds a little more meaning in their life, or a little more happiness. Like that's that's what I'm trying to do. Like I, I have almost no answers. Most of the stuff that I create and talk about are ideas that I wholeheartedly would tell you I've kind of taken in from someone else, digested, repackaged, um, and shared just through my own context. Um, so I, I won't say that I'm an incredibly original thinker, but the idea is just trying to get those things in front of people. And each iteration of my career has been, how do I, uh, do two things? Uh, one, first and foremost, take care of my family. So you have to make a living. I want to provide for them. I'm completely unwilling, you know, a lot of, uh, even Gary Vaynerchuk would say this, like he's willing to go to zero at any time. I'm completely unwilling to go to zero at any time. I'm the exact opposite. Like I, it would be irresponsible for me to do that. I have two young children and a wife and a just responsibilities. Like, so I'm not going to zero. So that being said, how do I not go to zero, but continue to do the work that I love to do? And at first it was pure marketing, um, writing about blog posts and tactics and tricks. And that was amazing. That provided the bedrock and foundation for my career and gave me uh, the tools to um, kind of move on. Uh, when I got into insurance, what I found was there was an entire industry, about 350,000 people that felt like everyone hated them, that the work they did was no good, and that even though they saw the value in it, no one else did. And so what I tried to do in that space was help these people uh, these professionals understand how meaningful the work they were doing was like insurance is thankful work or thankless work. Everyone hates insurance people. They, you know, they're all crooks and thieves and charge them way too much. And, you know, they sell a convoluted product that you can't take Insta, Insta bangers of, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's a tough space to be. Um, no one wants to get a call from their insurance professional. So, uh, how, so that work was really around helping them find meaning there. And eventually um, I felt uh, there just wasn't another step for me in that space. So when I had the opportunity to be part of Metabolic, and what I loved about this was it married the two parts of, of where I, I think people need to focus more on, which is physical. I don't want to use the word fitness, physical health. Mm -hmm. uh, fitness is part of it. There's a lot of uh, how we eat and and how you fuel your body and that kind of stuff and I'm a huge huge believer in if your if your body's not in a position to provide you with uh, the tools um, then your mind can't actually be as good as it could possibly be so if you're not sleeping enough um, not exercising and eating potato chips all day then you're gonna run out of energy during a business meeting and I'm not. Uh, so I consider health to be a competitive advantage in business. So I have a fitness product that I truly believe in as much as I believed in anything. And I can marry that with my work around the kind of mental psychology side. So it was a, it was like the perfect next move for me. And I've enjoyed every day of it. And of course, again, the perspective shift of you want this metabolic, you know, project to succeed. You want success there, but moreover, you can endure, uh, you know, certain days that are taxing or whatever you want to call it. If that's not the goal you're going after, if you're if you're going after finding the meaning in the doing of the work, then it doesn't, you know, it rolls off your back. Hundred percent, hundred percent, man. Like this is a startup business, just like and 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 I'm not unique. I'm not talking about this like I'm in a unique position. So many of the people that I'm listening to this are 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 probably freelancers or, or or have their own agency or are doing some sort of project. And there there come these moments where you it's not it feels like it's not going to work or you don't understand why things are taking so long. Um, I'll give you a case in point. We just did a fairly substantial pivot in our business. So uh, I was brought on to help Metabolic, which is a six location uh, boutique uh, strength-based fitness franchise um, or fitness business. I was brought on to help them franchise nationally. Um, I've never franchised a business before. I've never worked in fitness before. So I had no idea what I was doing. Um, 
which quite comes into question why I was actually hired. But, <laughs> you know, but so, so you take those two things. And for the last seven months, all I've thought about all day long are really figuring out those two things. And then kind of what is my bread and butter is how do we build this brand? So taking all the marketing history, building upon that uh, and creating a brand and then trying to figure out fitness and, and franchising. That's all I've thought about for the seven months. And basically we ran into a roadblock in which we've realized that the the first year of operation of one of our new locations um, is when there is the most risk of that location falling apart, both from a brand perspective and a quality of product delivery. So we've spent a month uh, dissecting all the ways in which one of our locations could blow up in that first year. And there's just a lot of, there's a lot of competition. Um, you have to sell a fitness philosophy. This isn't like a, this isn't like opening your own gym where if you want to add yoga, you can add yoga. Like we do metabolic training every day, all day. That's what we do. So you have to believe in that. So there, that comes with its own headaches. Um, you have to know how to deliver the product. So unlike uh, an Orange Theory and F45, which are incredible places to work out, um, we are we are the anti-technology play. So where you're strapping a heart rate monitor on, or you're um, you know you're looking at TVs that are telling you how to do bicep curls, um, we are all about humans. So philosophically, I believe that there is going to be a pendulum swing back towards human-based boutique businesses. People need a third place. And as religion falls out of uh, favor uh, with the mass populace, there's more secularism and atheism than I think there has ever been. That's not a uh, that's not a uh, religious um, position. That's just an observation of our world. Um, What church or whatever you wanted to call it, what that place served, the community that was formed in those places, people are still seeking that they're not. They may not be going to uh, a religious ceremony uh, in a community there, but they're still seeking that third place. And I believe that that third place, in order for it to truly mean something to someone, it has to involve human interaction. So as a lot of our competitors have moved away from humans in an effort to lower cost and create consistency in brand and product delivery, um, we're moving Oh, we're moving the opposite direction. We are over indexing on training the humans to be absolute rock stars. And it's hard. I mean, training humans is a lot harder than building algorithms. It just is. I mean, um, anyone who's ever tried to train anyone who's ever had children knows that this is true. Um, so, so, so long story short, uh, that first year it's like filled with minds. So, what we decided to do three weeks ago was do a complete pivot. Um, to opening our every new location that we open now will be a corporate location. We'll run that corporate location for the first one to three years, and then we'll look to sell to a franchisee, uh, uh, an operating profitable business with an established community because we've done it. Uh, six times very successfully, we know exactly how to do it. So instead of placing that burden on someone who's never done it before, we're going to open them up as corporate locations and then allow people to buy the operating entity uh, three years in. An enormous, enormous pivot in our business. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot that goes into that. And, you know, the idea being, um, you have to be able to see these things and be willing to make these changes and adjustments because the meaning of our business isn't to be millionaires. Uh, the meaning of our business is to help more people do metabolic training. So you can get past these. I mean, these we're talking 18 hour days locked into spreadsheets and conference rooms trying to figure out this new path and do the economics work and how do we realign our vendors and on and on and on and on and on. And the, we would have probably fallen apart over the last month if our mission wasn't um, and the meaning behind that mission wasn't so important to us. If it was just make money, um, this wouldn't be what we were doing. Yeah, exactly. That that meaning there holds it uh, all together. It kind of sustains you in a way that when you're in that rush, that entering that entering into that new beginning, whether it's something that's already established uh, and you yourself are entering into it with a new task, or it's uh, a brand new startup, you can fall into those those two kind of uh, you know, places where one, you're either expecting instant, instant results and you're pushing, pushing, pushing and you're impatient uh, and you want results now, or you fall the other way where you're saying, well, if only we get to this or, uh, you know, I, I wish that this was different and you start making excuses. Yeah. I, so I, 
I, by nature, am an excuse maker. I just am. I know that about myself. This is something I had to come to grips with is if left to my own devices, if I haven't, if I hadn't worked on this about myself and I'm very, very far from uh, having this one wrapped up, I will try to excuse my way out of things. It's like a weird mental tick that I have that I just, so I have to catch myself making excuses for the various things. And a lot of, almost all this work that I do around the things that we've talked about so far uh, is me trying to fix the things that I find to be uh, personal obstacles to my own, to where I want to be as a, as a person. Um, and then sharing them, I started to find that there were other people who were dealing with these things or, you know, see themselves as excuse makers and uh, or whatever their thing is. And then that's kind of how I got the ball rolling a, a few years ago. And, uh, and that's, it, it just, we're not alone in these things. And if you can talk about it, um, what you'll find is there's a lot of other people there that share it and then you can learn from each other. Well, I'm one of those people too. I, and, and I, I hopefully have gotten better at it. And, uh, but you know, as one excuse maker to another, as well as you who've talked to many other people who are also excuse makers, like, what do you think it is about making excuses? Why is it so easy to jump to that? What is it about our mindset in that moment that says, no, I'm going to go ahead and make an excuse? Because you don't want to feel the, the pain of doing your absolute best work and having it not work. Mm. So that's, that's the thing that I believe at its core, if we're going to go all the way down to the bottom, um, to the very foundations of why we make excuses, there's a, there's a bunch of reasons, but at its core, it's, it's the it's the paralyzing fear of I did my absolute best and it still wasn't good enough. And so instead of doing our absolute best, we do 60 percent of our best or 80 percent of our best or 72 percent of our best. So then when it doesn't work, we can go, well, I tried really hard, but you know, it rained or I tried really hard, but you know, they wanted, uh, you know, someone who looked like this, not like me. And, uh, that gives us a way to justify the fact that we didn't make it in a way that's palatable versus I gave every ounce of who I am a hundred percent of my best effort. And it still didn't happen because that means we're, we're not good enough. And I think how you work through that is by giving up on, um, I used to hate, uh, I'll go, this might be a slightly tangent, but I used to hate the, the phrase. It's the, it's the journey, not the destination. Mm. I hated, I actually wrote a whole article and have done videos about this. Cause I, how much I hated this phrase. I just hated it. Like it, I didn't get it. Right. I'm like, I grew up in the middle of the country two very blue collar parents, um, you know, like did not, you know, I, I don't, I won't say that I was ever like destitute, but we certainly did not have any luxury in our life at all. Like I, I didn't take a vacation until I was an adult. Like we just didn't go on vacation because you had to work to make money. That was our life. So I share this with you because I always thought like, if you're growing up that way, like all you can think about is getting out of this place. Like, don't tell me the work I need to do. Tell me how I don't live in the house that your friends call the crack house. Like, tell me, <laughs> tell me, tell me how I get out of this situation. Cause I want to be over there. Like that is the goal. Like is getting to the other side of the river, to the other side of town, to the other side of the tracks where you're not one of these people. It's tough. That's a tough way to grow up. And, and, um, and there's a lot of people that experience that. So I, the whole like it's the journey thing felt like someone who had already made its pontificating um, and it and it, it felt like fluffy nonsense. Um, and again, it took me a very long time to learn this lesson because, as I shared, I was an excuse maker for much of my life. But somewhere in my mid 30s, I, I didn't have anything left. Like I was a terrible insurance salesman. To be honest with you, as much as I did a ton of marketing stuff, which is really where we first became aware of each other, uh, I, I would say that I constantly underachieved even in that space. Um, it took me not understanding how to get to the destination and just kind of giving up on trying to reach anything that I thought was success and just showing up, starting to show up every day, like just starting to write every day. I write at least five or six days a week. The days that I don't write, I'm kind of irritable and my wife knows that about me. <laughs> so she'll like avoid me. 
And I know that she'll like find little time. She'll find moments in the day where like she'll take the kids to go do something because she knows that that 45 minutes I can like do a little bit of writing or a little bit of creating and it like gets it out of my system. Like I just started because and, and not so much because I need to create like I don't consider myself an artist or anything, but um, it's mostly just it's become a habit and and doing that thing every day and and for certain parts of my life. And it's always been different things. Like for certain parts of my life, it was making cold calls every day. Like when I was an insurance salesman, it was I had to make cold calls every day. That's how I kept my that's how I kept money coming in. I had to go do stops. I had to network like doing, just doing the things every day is, is, is all I had left. Cause the destination seemed like it was never going to happen. So I just stopped thinking about it and I just started doing the work. And then all of a sudden I popped my head up and I'm the CMO of an insurance technology company making more money than my parents would have made in a decade, in a year, managing a 19-person team, running a very successful brand. We had a 800-person conference that we created from scratch, like all these, these things. And again, it wasn't just me. It was my entire team working together. But that was – all of a sudden, I was at a destination that five years before that I would have never thought was possible. And how I got there was not even thinking about it. It was just doing the work. So – I've, I've kind of come full circle on that phrase is that, you know, to get out of the excuse making, to, to break that excuse making habit, um, give up on the destination, understand that a hundred percent of yourself, um, today is impossible, but is potentially uh, possible in the future. And the only way to get there is just to show up and do the work every day. And it could be five minutes worth of work, right? It could be, it could be 10 minutes worth of work. It could be three minutes worth of work. Like don't think that you have to do the, Julia Cameron, uh, you know, three handwritten morning pages every day or that you need to, you know, have a great sunset location and go paint or whatever crazy, you know, romantic notion of, of doing the work has been placed in front of you. It's whatever you can do. Just do it. Like some days for me, it's a, it's a 15 second story on Instagram is all that I can get out. Cause I have a hundred other things going on. So that has to be enough for that day, but not doing it would be, you know, I, I could excuse it away. Oh, I had a bunch of meetings or man, I was just kind of mentally exhausted after that interview with Eric. So I didn't do the work like that's easy to do. Um, but breaking that habit with a 15 second story, boom, you just, just had this great interview with Eric, man, he, he got me flushed out on this idea that I hadn't talked about in a while. And I just want to share it with you real quick, bam, hit him, close it, move on with the rest of your day. You just did the work and, and mentally you've pushed the ball that much further forward. Um, so just set the bar really, really low, like underestimate yourself and, and be okay with that. Start there and work your way up. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people, or at least it used to be, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It sounds like it's almost also making an excuse is like giving yourself an out. It's, it's like a caveat of, well, I wasn't 100% on that thing, so even if it fails, okay, cool. Like I wasn't fully committed anyway. Like that's a good thing. Yeah. Which it's, it's not. Uh, that's a hundred percent what it is. It's because there are so many people 
who are willing to make excuses that it's much easier to find a tribe of excuse makers than it is to find a tribe of achievers. It just is. So I could go walk out. I'm working at a co-working space and nothing against the people here, but I'm positive that I could find an excuse maker before I could find an achiever. So it just, it's an easier tribe to fit into. Like it's really hard to find people who, who, who make the, the, the mental trade-offs every day to achieve and to show up and to do the work versus the people who make excuses and don't and, 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 and miss their goals. Um, it's just hard to find those people because there's fewer of them. So, you know, and a lot of this sounds like platitudes and it's why, I don't know, sometimes, sometimes I, I feel, I, I even have my own insecurities about talking on some of these topics because they, they feel like it feel, they feel trite, right? It feels like I'm just talking in, in fluffy nonsense, but, um, I have to walk my through the, myself through these things every single day in order to get to where I want to be. And I don't know, I don't know how else to do it. Like I'm, I, I'm part of the, I, this isn't like a real club, I guess, but I consider myself part of the 5am club. Mm-hmm. It, it's not a real club. Um, it's just a hashtag that I use for myself. Basically, uh, I wake up at 4:45 every day, and I do work till whenever my kids wake up, which is usually around 6:15 and 6:30. If I can get that hour in, then it doesn't matter what else happens the rest of the day, because I've gotten an hour in before anybody else, and that's something I have to do to get ahead. I know that about myself. I know that because so many things come up. I mean, you know this, man, like you, 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 you have a, a really important email you need to write in the afternoon and then three people call you with problems. <laughs> that email gets set aside. Now it's a day late. Well, do you want to do it the next day? But now you're still dealing with those three things the next day, plus the three new things from this day. And now all of a sudden an email that you should have gotten to somebody on a Monday is going to them on a Thursday and you, and you, maybe you don't get the the deal or they don't pick you to speak at the conference or they don't sign up as a client or, or they, they won't, uh, they no longer want to interview you for their podcast. Like you then could go, Oh man, I wrote an incredible email and they just didn't pick me. But really, but you know, in your heart, that it's because you didn't just stop and get the work done on Monday and get them the email when they are expecting it. Cause if you did, you most likely would have got that thing. And, uh, this is just how I've had to work through it. And it sounds like part of the process of committing 100%, uh, you know, being all in on things is that it, it's taking that action. It's, it's intentionally, uh, shifting the mindset from, uh, it, it's not saying, oh, the world is the, you know, the world is the way it is and there's no changing it. It's not giving up and saying, well, I can't change it. So I'll just quit. It's no, it may not be the way I want it to be, but it's only going to change because of the action I consistently take. Yeah. I, I found this quote the other day and I think, oh man, I'm going to butcher who's it's from, but I, I could probably get it to you for the show notes or whatever, but it basically was observe the world as it is and not as you'd like it to be. And, and like my world today is that having had to basically restart my personal brand outside the insurance industry, it's like been restarting from zero. So I used to be able to post a video about insurance marketing, like not an enormously wide audience. (laughs) And I would get 1500 to 2000 views over the course of a few weeks. Now I can post a video, which just in the evolution of my ability as a, as a, as a video, you know, a vlogger, I guess you could say, um, is better, more finely tuned. I think the message is tighter and has more value. I could post that, that video today and it'll get like 200 views because I've had to restart my audience. I, I, that could, that was very depressing at first, (laughs) but the, but the idea is like, I could let that get me down or just say like, you know, personally, I, I would love it if my work reach, uh, was able to reach more people. I would love that. Uh, today it doesn't. So I just have to, but then my wife said, and, and, um, uh, my wife is, is brilliant. Um, I was like, man, shorty, I, I call her shorty. I was like, man, shorty, I, man, I used to post videos about insurance marketing, I get 2000 views. And, and today I'm getting 200. Like, what the heck? Like, what did I do? You know what I mean? I was like, I was like, I, I was very selfishly thinking 
that, you know, like, why did I make this move? Like I was getting 2000 views over here and now I'm getting 200. Like what's wrong with me? And uh, she was like, well, didn't it take you like four and a half years to get 2000 views on a, on a video for, in the insurance industry? She's like, you've been at this for like two months. Like what's wrong with you? And uh, I think that, that just like summed up like my world. Like I would love it if my world was still this big, huge audience that I had inside the insurance industry, but it's not anymore. I made that choice. My world today is I don't really have much authority outside of the insurance industry anymore. Like I took a six year hiatus from the national scene. You know, like I was, I was, uh, you know, I was going to social media marketing world. I was signed up as a speaker at content marketing world. Like these are all opportunities that I had to give up on in order to be the thing that I needed to be in the insurance industry and stepping off of that national stage for six years um, and, and really just focusing on the insurance industry, I got to build that back up. So I have to accept that as what the world is for me and just do the work and just keep pushing and I'll get back there. It's not, it's, it's all good. Well, and it, it sounds like, you know, this is the other side of things where you go back to it, where it's your, you know, you either end up making excuses for why things aren't different or you're again looking at the way things are and expecting instant results. You're expecting the outcome to be the uh, the big hairy audacious goal outcome right now versus the smaller goal that you meet right now that gets you there eventually. Yeah, uh, dude, hundred percent. I my my goals have really just, the way I view goals are are it's almost like just daily. Like I just did I create something today. And did I, do I think it was meaningful? If I can check that box, then I just keep moving on. Cause like, you know, just take this conversation we're having here. Like if I haven't, if I hadn't just been daily putting stuff out and creating something, it wouldn't have caught your eye again. And we wouldn't have reconnected and we wouldn't be on this conversation for the first time. You know, if I gotten all upset because I wasn't getting the same numbers that I was getting when I was in the insurance industry, you know, I would have stopped doing the work and I would have said, oh, well, no one knows who I am anymore. You know, I really don't want to rebuild from scratch and I'm just going to like let it go. But I know the message has value. I I want to meet interesting people and have conversations with them like you and, and like many others. And and uh, so you just got to keep doing it. And so what? Four or five years from now, hopefully uh I have made a ton of new friends, helped help helped a bunch of new people that I've never met before, uh, grown personally, you know, grown this business. Like that's that's really what it's all about. But you know, I think daily goals, but have a long term horizon. Like mm. my horizon is five, ten years. Like I'll be in ten years, I'll be forty eight years old. Like that's pretty that's pretty young today. Like treat myself well, fairly healthy, like if I have 10 years to get back to where I want to be and um, I just tactically from like a marketing tactic standpoint, I'm exponentially more sophisticated and savvy today than I was when I did this the previous 10 years. So right. I should be able to get, I should be able to get a lot further in that approaching goals from a daily standpoint. Uh, you even alluded to this earlier where it's like, Hey, you getting up early and getting that, you know, if you, if it was that you get that one hour in, then you're good. The rest of the day could be useless or, you know, filled with people. It could be filled with going from meeting to meeting or email to meeting to email to call and back again, et cetera. And it could be filled up and that would be okay. But again, a lot of people are like, well, I listen to this show to, to figure out how to avoid having that happen and to have, you know, Slack in my day, not Slack the client, the, you know, the chat yeah. client, but Slack like, yeah, yeah. um, What's margin to have margin in your day. And I wonder as you're moving forward in these new projects, how are you guarding? Uh, again, part of it, I, I hear the answer already is you're getting that first hour of the day in. And then if the rest of the day doesn't work out the way you quote originally planned, obviously there's exceptions there where it's like, Hey, there's this super important meeting and you hit that. But like, how are you guarding having open space in your day to create, to think, to uh, take advantage of opportunities as they arise even? Yeah, that, that's a good, that's a really good question. So there's a couple things there. The first is I do take that hour every day. Um, I try to get at least one uh, Saturday or Sunday morning too, um, if I can. 
but then sometimes I just want to sleep. So I do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, every weekday I'm up Monday through Friday. I'm up at 4:45 AM Eastern time. Ping me on Instagram. If you're ever up that early and want to chat, I might not respond to you cause I'll be writing, but, uh, you can always do it. I'll be there. And then the other part is I block time. So I block time for podcast interviews. If I know I have to write something, I'll block time for that. Like I have a big, I have a big pitch deck. I'm recruiting a COO and I have a pitch deck. We're bringing him in, flying him in. Um, he's somebody I really, really want to work here. And I have a big pitch deck, basically a pitch for him to work here that I'm working on and I'm working through that. So I have basically the whole second half of today, uh, blocked off to work on that deck. So just, I'll turn off, I'll put my phone on vibrate. I'll, you know, all my messaging systems, I'll, I'll, and then that will be what I do the rest of the day. But then the other, so that's kind of how I get that done. I just block time. The other side of that is, um, and this has a lot to do, a lot to do with my leadership philosophy is part of my job as a leader is, is to be there for my people when they need me. So I, I get that a lot of people take leadership positions for different reasons. Um, my personal philosophy on leadership is that you are the air cover for your people to do their best work. It's not about my best work. It's about their best work because so, so I'm my, my goal, my job every day is to, is to remove stress, is to deflect issues, is to solve problems when necessary, is to help my people facilitate them solving problems when that's the best course of action um, is to mentor, to guide is not to just be sitting in my office, like waiting for an opportunity to come in. I know that's not what you were asking, but um, I think there's this, this idea that somehow you become the, the top of any hierarchy. And all of a sudden, like, you know, everyone should be in service of your, of you being your best self. It is the exact opposite. And I have seen it done both ways. And I am just a true believer. I will, if someone has a problem, I will give my time up to help to help provide them some guidance and them solving their problems. And, and I'm not, you know, you want to facilitate your people's growth and help them push through solving their problems. That's kind of real tactical leadership stuff. But like the, the core idea is, um, I don't want to have a lot of free time in my day. Like, like I'm okay. I, let me put this a different way. My free time should be eaten up by impromptu meetings to help people solve problems, you know, um, solving issues, helping other people solve it, like getting into like that should be what my time is. That's my job so that they can do their job better so that they can feel like when 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 someone who's new to the uh, newer in their career or in a different position than me, they can show up and be their best self all day long. Um, that's what. I believe my role is on a day-to-day basis. Um, so I'm okay with that. Like if I, that's why I get that hour and why I block the time that I really need. And I'm okay with every other minute of the day being eaten up with random stuff that just needs to get taken care of. It sounds like you're saying that by your team doing their best work, that is you doing your best work. And Dude. the, yeah. And, and then the only way that that happens is you're blocking out the time that's absolutely necessary for you to do stuff that's, that only you can do. And then you're blocking out the rest of the time in a, uh, in a non blocking it out way or maybe yeah, a completely yeah. intentional way saying, I am available to give you guidance, equip you with tools, tactics, whatever, you know, that, that, that and yeah. that they com- are communicated to that that is the case. I, if, if this isn't your second career, then you need to start a business where someone says something and then you kind of repackage it into a much easier to understand that, way. That is one of my strengths. I, I am very well aware of that. Yes. I, if I was a superhero, my name would be the, the conciser or something like that. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. That. But it sounds like that's what you're saying that, that, yeah, that basically no, you put your must you know, your highest priority stuff first in the morning so that that's out of the way. And then you're available for your team. hundred percent. That, that, that's, that's the whole deal. That's why I started doing that is, and, and again, the only reason I figured that out just to give people some, some, uh, so, so that's my methodology. I'm not saying that anyone should wake up at five or whatever. Cause some people work better at night. Uh, one of my team members, he from nine to like midnight, 
he that's when he crushes work. That's literally mm-hmm. when he does his best work. And I don't get it till the morning. And I'm OK with that because his best work happens from nine to midnight. OK, so different person. I think don't take what I do as so for, for the people listening at home, don't take what I do as what I recommend. Uh, I think it's more the construct. So figure out when you do your best work. Um, I actually write really well first thing in the morning. So I wake up, I pound a big glass. Well, I hit, I hit the can. Then I pound a glass of water. Then I. Uh, pour myself a big cup of coffee, black with, with cinnamon. And it's the, the same thing every day. That's the only reason I share that. It doesn't really matter. And then I, as soon as I get like two or three sips in that cup of coffee, I am like full throttle writing. And I usually do that in some sort of short form, um, call it a micro blog or whatever, uh, that I post on LinkedIn, Instagram, and on my Facebook page. And I use buffer. So everyone really cares about the tactics and, um, and I just write, I usually write to Instagram's length, which is what, like 1300 characters or 1220 or something. It doesn't matter. Uh, I write to it and then I just push that out to all three platforms and bam, I've got my idea out of me. Now that idea percolates in, in the real world, people respond to it or don't. I get a chance to, to, to that. Fi- I, I kind of worked that idea out in my head for that first hour. Um, I may respond to some emails or whatever. And then bam, now I get into my day like you described. I also find that the afternoons are a really good time for me to write. So then all throughout the morning, I'm terrible. Like if I sat down to write something at 9.30 a.m., the quality of writing would be piss poor. I'm just not good at that time. So then around the afternoon, I get good again. So so if I'm like, like I just said to you, like I'm working on this deck, this recruiting deck, like I block that time out for the afternoon on purpose because I know that's when my brain kicks back up into creativity mode for whatever reason. Um, that's what works for me. I think. What all of us have to do, if you're thinking about this, is use that construct. So when are you the most creative? Make sure that time is blocked out and then leave your problem solving, you know, kind of putting out fires time. That should be the time when you're not creative, when you're more just like tactical, straightforward, you know, when the other side of your brain, I always get right brain, left brain confused, which one's creativity and which one's kind of tactical stuff. But like um, use that other side of your brain time for that stuff that that's and so your day just can be whatever it is. There's no like, it has to be mornings, has to be night, has to be whenever. It could be from noon to two every day. Just block that time. This is the time doesn't matter. It's that you do it. Yeah. It, it's basically intervals and yeah. it's basically when do you start them that works best for you. And you basically get one. Well, you probably get like a good two cycles in for the day, maybe three, depending upon who you are. Um, the other thing that I just heard you say though was again with this pitch deck, that is. One of your, let's say, let's call that a moderate goal is to get this person on board. And so your miniature goal, your blocked in, your your time blocked uh, segments of working on that deck to make that bigger goal happen is smaller goals that you've blocked out time for. Yep. So I've, so that's a hundred percent true. So last week I had three separate meetings on bringing this person in. Um, we worked through kind of what are, what are we offering him? How do we do it? What's the schedule going to be? Uh, what things do we want to make sure they do? Um, so this, there's been four or five blocked time periods for this particular project. And then obviously once they get here, there's a lot of block time because I'll be hands on with them. But, uh, uh, Getting to the point where I can show up on Thursday morning of this week is when they come into town. It takes four or five blocked periods of time of all different lengths to get that done. So I just I knew that this I wanted this person that they could come in about a month ago, and I just started blocking the meetings and the creation time and the iterations and all that kind of stuff, so that I knew that I'd be ready for them when they walked in. And uh, if you don't block that time, then it just won't get done. Yeah, man, uh, we could keep talking forever. We probably ought to wrap up because, you know, we've got other things we've got to do. We've got other things blocked out time wise. Let's yes. put it that way. But uh, it's it's certainly showing through uh, your curiosity, especially uh, for talking to people about all aspects of life and achieving peak performance in all of those different areas. So I'm really excited for the Ryan Hanley show to drop. And by the way, we recorded this uh, ahead of time so that it would drop when the show is available, when Ryan's show is out there. So let's just point people to where they can go grab it. 
Yeah. So if you're interested in the podcast, you can go to ryanhanley.com and there'll just be a big podcast link at the time. You click that, you'll be able to get it there. Uh, I'm sure if you do a search inside of whatever podcast player that you like to listen to for the Ryan Hanley show, you'll find it as well. Um, those are the best places to get at me or if you follow me in any of the socials, um, I'll be I'll be pushing it out. Uh, and if you're interested in metabolic, go to trainmetabolic.com. Just learn more about what we're doing. You can't really, uh, unless you frequent upstate New York, um, <laughs> you wouldn't be able to take a class uh, right now, which, which I understand. But if you just want to check it out, um, um, and we're hoping um, in, in the next five years we'll be we'll be coming to a city near you over the course of that time. So, uh, Eric, dude, I appreciate this, man. This has been a lot of fun. I, I appreciate you letting me um, go way off on tangents and and meander through some of your questions. But uh, this is how uh, this is part of the process, I guess. And it's just been tremendous to spend this time with you, dude. Yeah, man. I, I was glad to have you. And you know that's where you find the best stuff. So we'll ha- we'll definitely have to have you come back on once you've talked to a bunch of people and we've got some really cool uh, topics that have uh, sprouted up to come back around to. Absolutely. We can do it home and home, man. We can yeah. do it again on my show. There you go. Awesome. All right. Talk <laughs> All right, to you later. Buddy. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, that's another episode crossed off your podcast listening to-do list. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation with Ryan Hanley. If you did, you can get more of Ryan over at his show. That's ryanhanley.com, where you'll find his show, The Ryan Hanley Show. And I hope that you enjoyed this conversation talking about why we make excuses, how we can fight making excuses by deciding to go all in on those actions that we decide to take. I know that that's something that I have issues with sometimes, like I said in this conversation. Uh, And evidently, Ryan does too. Are you in that boat? Well, I'd love to hear from you. Hit me up on Twitter by going to twitter.com slash Eric with a K, the letter J, F-I-S-H-E-R. And if you enjoyed this conversation and know somebody who needs to hear it, I'd love for you to do me the favor of sharing this with somebody by hitting the share button over at the show notes at beyondthetodolist.com or hitting the share button inside of the podcast player you are listening to this on right now. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for listening. And I will see you next episode.